is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome Joe Sanak to the show. Joe will talk about how taking Fridays off made him more creative and more profitable. Joe, I have been so eagerly awaiting our conversation. Thank you for being with me today. Oh, Caroline, I'm so excited to be here with you and your audience. So you have uh, created this incredible scenario where you are designing your schedule and you think that taking Fridays off has been a game changer. And clearly it has because you've been doing this for a long time. Now, let's just let's just remind our global audience, gosh, the 18 months that we have uh, navigated this pandemic journey have changed our lives forever. And we, we proved a model that people can work from home. And I don't know about you, but I'm hearing people clamoring saying, I don't want to do it the old way. I want to design a new way. So let's open up the conversation. And I want to hear your story about what brought you to this concept that Thursday is the new Friday. You know, it's really funny how sometimes in life it's a returning home in a sense. I, I remember my freshman orientation at college sitting down with an academic advisor and they said, all right, you can make whatever schedule you want. And I said, like, whatever schedule? I don't have to have class on Fridays? And they said, no, you don't have to have class on Fridays. And I said, well, of course I'm not going to have class on Fridays. Do you know what my Thursday nights might look like? So I made my class schedule to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I only had one class throughout all of my undergraduate that was on a Friday because it was only offered Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then my very first job out of graduate school was at a residential treatment center. Uh, As part of the negotiations, I said to him, can I just work four days a week and try to pack it all in? And he said, that's fine. That's great. Uh, And so then I went into the work world, eventually got other 40-hour-a-week jobs, started a counseling private practice on the side, got my podcast going, and quickly was in that 50 to 60-hour-a-week world. And it was in 2015 when I left my full-time job to go into private practice full-time that I said, I am totally responsible for my schedule again. Why do I want to work Fridays? And so I went back to it. And every month was a better month than the month before. And it's amazing how sometimes coming back to these things that we knew earlier in life were better for us um, is, is where we find ourselves. Thank you for for setting that up so beautifully. So let's let's dive a little deeper though. It's not necessarily about hours worked. It's about productivity and slowing down and thinking about what you need to make an impact, right? Absolutely. You know, in 1926, when Henry Ford started the 40-hour work week, uh, before that, people were working 10 to 16 hours a day, six or seven days a week. So that was a huge step forward for the evolution of business, the evolution of workers, the evolution of just what our life was. So less than 100 years ago, this thing that we think is so solid, the 40-hour work week, was started. And, And so starting there and saying, okay, the industrialists had a point of view that was acceptable and important at the time but we've really outgrown it. We don't see our fellow workers as just part of a machine anymore. We see them as nuanced people. Um, There's so much in our life that we've moved away from 
that the industrialists handed us. So right now what we see is we're moving away from that hours in the chair, that 40 hour week to looking at outcomes, to looking at people and organizations more as organisms rather than as just a machine. And the successful organizations and people that are doing this are ones that don't just say you are hired for this job role. Now, the only way to make more money is to become a supervisor because maybe maybe you wouldn't be a good supervisor in that role. Maybe you'd be better as a lead for what you're already doing in a different way. And so when organizations start to make that shift into being more like an evolving organism, that's where we see that we're really moving away from that industrialist mindset of the 40 hour work week. I'm so grateful that you said that because working with so many coaching clients, often their their next path up, right, to, to manager or supervisor is what was always done, but it doesn't honor them and their strengths and their interests. So what I'm hearing you say is that the current work model is really outdated. So how do we begin to chip away and change that? Yeah, I mean, on my own team. So I have this one lady, Sam, that I hired five years ago, uh, and she was she was just doing design work. I hired her to do some of those quote cards you see on Instagram or Twitter, where it has some famous person's quote, and you've got branding. Uh, and she was just doing that. And every year, I ask her and other members of the team three questions. The first question is, "What do you absolutely love doing within your role that you you don't want to give up right now?" Secondly, what do you hate doing that you wish you could hand off to someone else? And third, how are you growing in a way that maybe you need some training or you'd like to level up within the organization? So every year, Sam has got additional training in a number of areas and shed areas that she really doesn't like. So she was doing a lot of our show notes for the podcast originally. She said, I, I hate this. It feels so tedious. I'm an artistic person. I want to learn to do video editing. And so then I put her through a video editing course. So then you know, we launched our YouTube channel. And then there were aspects of that back end side of it, of posting it, that she liked the creative side. So she shed that the next year. And now she's our chief marketing officer, but she's still doing the work that she loves. And so effective organizations and people are ones that are able to have that agility instead of just saying, here's the linear path to success in our company. Instead, it's let's trust that people know themselves best. And if they're in roles that they absolutely love, they're going to stay in those roles. And then those companies aren't dealing with rehiring and retraining. And then the individual can also advocate for that within their own company as well. I love that. So let's talk about the pandemic, because clearly uh, it was out of necessity that so many people worked from home when they could. Right. And we realized that was not the case for everybody. But it it has caused a, a great shift in how people value their work environment or value working from home. So what is what is the overlay message that you have to share as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, I think the pandemic was a great global experiment to show us that really that industrialist mindset is dead, that that we can create a totally new environment for ourselves. In the same way that Henry Ford started the 40-hour work week less than 100 years ago, we can be the generation that questions that and says, what's the next step in the evolution of business for us? And so for individuals, what we often saw was that they saw this 40 hours that they used to have was condensed to 32 hours because they were making their kids lunch and trying to get them set up on Zoom school. And maybe they, as a hobby, started making sourdough bread like everybody else and watching Tiger King. All these things that kind of made their way into our lives 
uh, then allowed us to say, why are we doing it this way? To really just pause and, and to just reflect, which is a great starting point for a conversation. Uh, because when we start to question the way that we've done time, we then see a lot of creative options in how people did that. So one big thing that we saw during the pandemic was people slowing down in a different way. Now, yes, there was a lot of things that were crazy for most adults, whether that was your kids on Zoom school or your boss thinking you should be available 24 seven because you weren't in the office. But outside of that, we also had a lot of time to slow down because a lot of the socialization or opportunities to go out just weren't there. And I, th I think a lot of people that maybe even classified themselves as extroverts said, I didn't realize I had this inner introvert and just how fast I was moving and how many obligations I just felt. Um, and so it was a recalibration in a number of ways for people to get a glimpse into how the brain actually operates, where when we slow down, that's actually when we're most creative and we're most productive. Joe, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're, you're giving a global audience permission to slow down because I think often in some work environments, there is this dangerous precedent of you've got to keep going, you've got to do more. And we keep raising uh, the goalpost, right? And, and we're not satisfied with the wins that we have achieved. And what I got from your book is, look, if we slow down, we make room for creativity and this can mitigate stress and lead to more productive results. So I love that. But how do we, how do we explain that to companies that are just so ingrained in that old mindset? I mean, there will be companies that just don't buy in. And I think that that's where an individual has to say to themselves, is this company a match for me? And I have... I have no doubt that there's going to be people that just don't buy into this model. But if you think that there might be someone um, that's an advocate within your team, that's a, a fellow Thursday is the new Friday, or um, there's a, a number of ways that you can do experiments uh, within a company to say, well, let's, let's try this. So imagine you have a boss that's somewhat supportive. Maybe they're reluctant, but they're at least open-minded enough to say, let's try an experiment for two months. You might want to go to them and say, here's my idea that we do a four day work week, that it's structured this way. Um, look at kind of the company culture and then look at the key performance indicators of your team. Um, so what are the things that already on your performance report are they looking at? Are they looking at customer satisfaction? Are they looking at creative output? What are the KPIs that they're already looking at? Say, here's what I propose would be the measures that, that we look at every two weeks. And we just compare it to what we've done over the previous, say, quarter or two. And, or maybe even compare it to another team that is doing a five-day week. And to say, at any point, we can pull the plug on this. Uh, but let's just at least try, because we may have some innovative things that come out of this that are unexpected. Now, assume that then that, that individual then says, yeah, let, let's do this. Let's give it a whirl. Uh, then you want to bring your team together and say, okay, team, how are we going to do this to make sure that we have a strong plan, that we are sprinting as fast as we can, that we're our most creative, and 
when we're having that day off, that we're not just checking emails and just working from home, that we're genuinely allowing our brains to relax. And so that's the side of the conversation that often doesn't happen in these books or in these methodologies, because you've got your productivity books on one side and your slow down woo woo meditation books on the other. And, and when we combine them, that's where the combined force of our brain really is. Because if you as a team are slowing down and saying on Fridays, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to get my shopping done and I'm going to get all these things around the house done so that on Saturday and Sunday, I can really slow down. And then to have accountability with that team back at work to say, did you actually slow down? Did you actually not return a bunch of texts and do emails into the evening? Now you have both sides of it where you're optimizing the brain so that on Monday morning, as a team, you're just ready to sprint and outpace the other teams that maybe aren't doing the four-day work week. Thank you so much for the clarity and the specificity there. I mean, you've just painted a beautiful picture that I know so many of us can say, okay, I'm going to bring that to my work team and, and see if I can pitch this new idea. So thank you for that. Give me a little clarity though. Are you saying during those sprint times that it is a traditional eight hour, or would you say uh, for a hesitant organization, we're going to do for 10 hour days? Or should we forget the hours altogether and focus on, as you said, the KPIs and the productive outcomes? I mean, ideally, you would be doing just a typical eight hour day. Now, I understand there's many organizations that would not want to give a full team their full salary for working four days instead of five. But if we really look at what Fridays typically are, I think there's a strong case to say we don't have the same productivity on a Friday as we typically have on a Monday. And so even to say to a team leader, I understand how this is a hard sell, but can we just try it for a month or two uh, and see if it works to say, what are the outcomes we're looking for within these four days? And maybe our team can meet those in a traditional eight hour day. Uh, now there will be teams that they say, you got to do a 10 hour day to get your 40 hours. And that's how we justify your positions. Uh, that's not ideal, but I would say that it's worth at least exploring. Um, I look at Kalamazoo Valley Community College, which is one of the case examples I give in the book. It's in southwestern Michigan, and it's this very traditional community college, an institutional mindset. And this HVAC instructor, every Friday in the summertime, went up on the roof and took a picture of the empty parking lot. And then he ran the numbers on how much air conditioning it costs to keep all these buildings air conditioned on a Friday. And he showed the board how many millions of dollars they could save just by switching to a four four day work week within the summertime in just air conditioning costs. And so they've done it for about five years and it's great how they do it because they do a 36 hour week over four days and then HR quote donates the rest of the time. They've seen huge health outcomes. They've seen happiness and satisfaction go up retention has gone up. So you think about when one person leaves a position, how long it takes to get that person back, that role back up and running. And the amount of outcomes on that four-day week in the summer, it's incredible to see. So if an institution like KVCC can do it, I think most businesses should at least give it a try. That is a great example. You can't see me because we're on a podcast, but I'm just smiling ear to ear. This is such uh, important information. So Joe, I, I love in the book how you talk about how we need to think about what we can eliminate and reduce in order to make room for new and creative work and how this mitigates stress. Walk me through an example. Yeah. So I think for most people, uh, if they look at their typical week uh, and they say, okay, if I'm going to work four days a week instead of five, then that means I'm going to do 20% less work. Um, so what happens, say you have 20 tasks in a week, then you know, in that example, you would only be able to do 16 tasks. Uh, I would argue that probably you're going to hustle a little bit more in those four days. So maybe you'll get 18, but just think about which tasks you would drop. 
If you're a business owner and you're going through invoicing, so you're going to get paid, you're probably going to do those tasks. Uh, if you have new client calls to do, uh, if you're landing new accounts, whatever are, is the money coming in or going out from your business, you're probably going to focus on that. You're probably going to forget to dust the lobby or take out the trash or do little menial things. So that's going to give you a lot of data. It's going to say, okay, I had... 16 out of 20 tasks done this week. Those were the best 16. Let's examine those four. Should I eliminate those completely from something I do? I mean, there's lots of tasks that over time is just kind of fat that's come into our organization uh, that could just purely be eliminated. Why do we have these double forms? That's ridiculous. Why don't we just have one form? And so it's going to force some automations. Uh, second, you might say, is there an automation tool that can do what I've been doing manually or what a team member's been doing manually? There could be all sorts of software as a service that you pay 20 bucks a month to automate something you were paying someone, you know, 10 or 20 hours a month to do. Uh, and then lastly, you might want to look at, is this something that I can outsource to someone else? So in that trash example, say this owner was the one that was cleaning and vacuuming and taking out the trash, just hire a cleaning service. And so by eliminating mm -hmm. time, work expands to the time that's been given to it. So Parkinson's law, we've all heard it a million times, that work expands to the time given. And, and so you'll most likely do the most essential tasks quicker, and then you'll drop the ball on the tasks that you probably shouldn't have been doing in the first place. So important. Is it safe to say that there are still going to be those crunch times, the deadline, the big project that requires us to go above and beyond, but then the even keel of, of the ideal four-day week is something that happens in between? Or do you think that crunch time is, is no longer? I mean, there will always be crunch times uh, for different organizations. So for example, this book launch, I'm going to be doing over 200 podcast interviews in two months. Now, uh, I'm really trying hard to not schedule any on Friday uh, because I wrote a book about not working on Friday. But <laughs> honestly, there may be some big podcast that I say it's worth it for their size audience and they only do it on Friday. So I'll make that exception. The danger that people have is when they make that the rule. And I think that's what's different about this book and about this mindset is so many books are prescriptive. They say, this is the only way to do it. If you don't do it this way, then you shouldn't be reading this book. Whereas I view my book more as a menu to say, let's learn about your brain. You're smart enough as an adult that you can figure out what's going to work for you and what's not. And so rather than say, this is prescriptive, you're either in or you're out. It's okay. Let's do some, some data analysis and say, okay, that didn't work for you. Why didn't that work? What's changing here? How's your body feel? Um, it's just amazing how, when we start to just go back to ourselves, our intuition and the amount that we're able to observe ourselves shows us what we need. And so it's when that sprint becomes a long-term marathon or a way of life, like most of us honestly have done, that that's where it becomes the problem. I'm so grateful that you said, look, how does your body feel? I think often people work so much, they become anesthetized and they're just so unaware of what their bodies need. And you write about prioritizing sleep and, and how this matters for our overall well-being. Tell me more. Yeah. I mean, personally, I get eight to nine hours of sleep every single night and I have a six and 10 year old daughter and I'm a single dad. And so uh, it's amazing how having kids will reveal all these things we should be doing for ourselves. Uh, I was on this trip where I was uh, taking them out through California in the national parks. And uh, I decided, you know, I am so sick of fighting with you about food and healthy choices. I'm just going to tell you on this trip, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Just listen to your body. 
And it was amazing how my six-year-old Lakin on this one night, she ate three bowls of goldfish right before bed. And she was like shaking in bed and said, I ate too many carbs. And, and she learned an important lesson there about <laughs> eating too many goldfish. Uh, about a week later, we were at Starbucks grabbing our coffee. And I said, you were amazing today. Do you guys want a cake pop? And they said, no, our bodies don't want a cake pop. It was like, what? I've arrived as a father. But isn't that how we are as adults? Like we make those decisions all the time. Um, and it's when we get so stressed out and maxed out that we don't actually listen to what our bodies need. The basics of sleep, of healthy eating, of exercise, of socialization, of feeling safe and secure and not stressed out. When our brains are stressed out and maxed out, that's not when we make our best decisions or try new things. Joe, I learned so much from you today, and I am deeply grateful, and I cannot wait to gift your book to all my friends and colleagues. It's extraordinary. Let me tell our global audience the title. It's called Thursday is the New Friday, how to work fewer hours, make more money, and spend time doing what you want. Joe, I wish you continued success, but I want our, our listeners to know that the book is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening. <laughs>